welcome to Don't Die Before You're Dead. I am your host, Mary McCartney, and this is where we talk about all things related to living the life that you are meant to live. And this episode is no exception. Today, my guest, Jackie Doucette, is here to talk about beyond retirement. What's next? Some of us retire earlier than the so-called 65. Some of us decide to stay a little bit longer. It's variable, but still questionable still need to be flexible, still learning. Jackie is a beyond retirement lifetime specialist, and she knows what she's talking about. She has a 20-year career in the Canadian Armed Forces as working as an undergrad chemical engineer and with pharmacy, and retired, but decided she was going to go back for 15 more years as a civilian. So why the change? Early retirement? not retired. Anyway, as a lifetime specialist, Jackie has clients who she is helping to move beyond what that retirement, whatever it looks like for them. So welcome, Jackie. I'm so happy that you took the time to join us today and to share with us what you share with your clients as the specialist in in living the life we're meant to live. So welcome. Thanks, Mary. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited. Oh, great. I love excited uh, guests. And so I'm sure my listeners do, too. So tell us, 20 years as a, um, what would you call them? Not a civilian. What's the opposite of civilian? As a military. (laughs) Pardon me? Military member. Military member, certainly. And then going back as civilian. So tell us about that transition and and your reasoning for that. Well, the the reasoning was... um, pretty mundane. It's because I realized after I retired that I had two little kids and they were going to get more expensive as they got older mm-hmm. and uh, probably an extra income would be good. Yeah, yeah that makes but sense. I, I was pretty excited at the beginning. I did my 20 years of military service and I retired and I was only 39. Hey, I could, I had my whole life ahead of me. Wow. That's fantastic. It was, yeah, it was pretty exciting. I went to my uh, 20-year high school reunion. I was the one that organized it. And everybody's going, what do you mean you're retired? <laughs> and then, boom, the next year I'm back in, back at work. <laughs> well, I was fortunate that you were able to do that. And I don't imagine for one minute that you're the only one that has discovered that maybe it's not just finances, but the retirement ideal isn't always a reality for them when it comes and they do need to make some changes. So what are you finding with your clients when, when they are looking at retirement, are they ready for it? Some of them are, most people have this grand idea of what retirement is going to be. They, they figure that they're going to spend their days reading books or walking on the golf course or sitting on the beach and, you know, that's great. All that kind of stuff is is a lot of fun and it's relaxing. And, and after a 20, 30 year career, you need to relax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyone who's been working for that amount of time will hit a point where they're suddenly stalled and, and they feel like they're stalled because their brain wants to keep going. Their body wants to keep going and, and there's nothing. So they've got to do something. They've got to find something more. Right. So they're not really re- repair repaired prepared for retirement <laughs> for sure because they're you know they're they're expecting to do nothing but nothing it it has to be something right right even a vacation can get tiresome if it's too long right exactly exactly yeah, yeah. well i think as i'm getting older um 
and I know that I should have known this, but what we know and what we think we know don't always match. Um, our brains don't age the same way as our physical being does. So like you're just saying, the brain wants to do something. It still needs to have that outlook, that uh, or not that outlook, that output, uh, a sense of purpose and whatnot. So when our clients, when your clients find that, you know, the retirement isn't shaping up the way they'd like to, they can turn to you. And how do you start them? I, I, I know you've got a, a Dynamo pro, uh, program to help them. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. The, uh, it's called Rocking Your Retirement. And, you know, basically it's just how to make the most out of whatever years you've got, uh, whether it's another 30 years or, you know, maybe only five years, who knows? Because we don't know, we've got mm-hmm. to make the most of it. Just just like like you say, you don't die before you're dead. You don't know how long that's going to be. So make the most of it. Right. So it, the first part of the program is a very in-depth questionnaire that the uh, that the client fills out all about who they are and what the, what they dream about, what they don't like about their life, what they do like about their life. And from that questionnaire, we go uh, kind of a deep dive into what they're doing and what, you know, what they're not enjoying about what they're doing, what they want to do different. If they don't know what they want to do differently, mm. then we talk about what did you do as a kid? You know, because that's what you wanted to do. You didn't, <laughs> unless you were told to do something, right. if you weren't given guidelines, you did what you wanted to do. And there was no question about, you know, oh, I'm going to go and sit in the corner and read because I'm supposed <laughs> to do that if I want to go play with my cars. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Getting back to childhood is a good thing. Exactly. Um, that's why, you know, in, in terms of getting older, um, you know, we need to we need to get rid of some of those stereotypical ideas or some of those myths. And I would think probably from what I know of you that you're a bit of a myth buster. That you're looking at at the retirement as being other than what we hear about, what we I mean, we've heard about retirement for most of our lives, itching to get there, but maybe not really with a realistic picture. Uh, not all of us are are have great health to be able to go out and do everything or anything, but we can do something. Uh, when is a good time to start planning? Do we wait until like, oh, I'm retiring, you know, those people, I'm retiring in uh, four months, three days and 56 minutes, you know, <laughs> what, when should we start? To be honest, I think people should start planning for what they're going to do after retirement when they first start working, oh, because yes, you've got, that's what I think, because yeah. you've got, you know, a, a life in he- ahead of you, but it's not going to be there forever. So if you're thinking about what you're going to do later, then you can start putting away little ideas and little things, little bits of money, if that's what it's going to take. But the sooner that you start planning, the better off the plan is going to be, the, the more robust it's going to be, and the, the better off you will be as you step into retirement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We hear a lot from financial planners about needing these almost million dollars to live well when we retire. I've talked to some people who didn't have that, you know, they get to the retirement and they think they're kind of doomed, uh, tend to kind of beat themselves up a little bit because they could have, would have, should have, 
But, yeah. you know, through the 40s, the midlife, whatever, you know, maybe raising family, uh, the, the curves that life throws at you, certainly like this big one we're in right now, they don't necessarily have all the resources they would have liked to have had to store up what they think they need to. Do you find that some of your clients feel somewhat defeated that they haven't done all the right things? Are they somewhat embarrassed? I think a lot of people are worried. Um, some of them are feeling a little bit embarrassed that they that they didn't plan better. But I think most people are just worried that what they have done, if they've done anything at all, isn't going to be enough, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I think it. I don't think you can put a real dollar amount. Like I, I've heard lots of different things, and I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not, you know, <laughs> expert in that sort of thing by any stretch, but. What I've heard is the a kind of a, a 4% rule that if you if you can go through your your days or your year spending 4% or less of your savings in retirement, then you're doing okay and you won't outlive your money. Mm-hmm. That's that's outside the essentials, like the, the food and the and the shelter needs that you have. But if you're spending you know, mm-hmm. for your lifestyle, spending more than that, then you're probably going to outlive whatever you've got. Yeah. But I think, I think how much you need depends on the lifestyle you want, because a lot of people have very little in terms of savings and you know retirement funds, and they're living quite happily because they don't have a big extravagant lifestyle. They're not, they're not mm-hmm. expecting to travel the world three or four times a year. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're home, they're using, you know, they're, planning their gardens, they're enjoying their friends and family. It doesn't take a lot of money to do that. For sure, for sure. And it's a choice, like you said, it's a choice of lifestyle. So starting early, you if you're the type of person that wants to travel the world when you retire because you don't have time now, um, you know, really kind of save money. Tell you that takes money. Yeah. You better <laughs> save some money. <laughs> right. Um, money isn't the only thing. Um, we see a, a number of seniors that perhaps are going back to work, and um, a lot of a lot of people will attribute that to just a, a serious financial need that they have not perhaps planned well. I'm of the opinion that perhaps uh, some of these folks just really enjoy what they're doing and they want to be engaged with the public again. Maybe they're living on their own and they're lonely, and this is their way of re-engaging. Does that sound like a a, kind of like a a normal approach to looking at that? I think it is. I don't think that the majority of people who are, for example, Walmart greeters are doing it because they need that money. They're doing it because they get a chance to get out, walk around, see people, feel useful. I think that's a big part of it. Um, Doesn't matter what the job is. If you feel like you're helping someone, then you get a sense of accomplishment out of that. And, and it, you know, it, it goes a long way to making you feel better about your day and about yourself. It's a healthier approach. Do you think um, that sort of activity, the physical and the mental keeps people on a healthier plane as oh, opposed definitely. to not doing anything? Yeah. Someone who's sitting at home, I, that was the whole idea behind me getting started with beyond retirement is the idea that if you go into retirement with the idea you're going to sit on your sofa and watch Netflix for the next 20 years, you're probably not going to see those 20 years because 
your body's going to shut down, your mind's going to shut down. And somewhere along the way, life's not going to be worth living anymore. And you've got to get out and do stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Your body and your mind will say, well, you're done. We might as well go. (laughs) Exactly. No, I think that's, I think we're finding that out. And I think the surprise is that we are living longer than expected. And of course, you know, I mean, when we lose loved ones, like I lost my husband and it, it too way too early, we don't know, but to live fully every day and to say, you know, let's do it now because I might not be one of those ones that dies early. So I'm going to be 80, 85 and think, wow, look at all the years where I could have actually done something, enjoyed something. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Jackie, you know, there's a part of me that thinks maybe not being engaged is a, a tad selfish. I, I, I'm really a strong proponent of volunteerism. And I think there are a lot of organizations that are so hungry for people. Do you find that some of your clients embrace that idea or, you know, they're, they're open to it? Definitely, definitely. I think just the idea of giving back is something that's huge inside most people. Some of them don't even realize that it's something they want to do until it's suggested to them or until they step out and try that for a little while. And then the satisfaction that comes from that is indescribable, really, for most of them. They they just don't know why they haven't done it sooner. And A bit of an awakening, perhaps. Exactly. Now, that does that come out of perhaps some of that assessment, that discussion that you have when you're when you're talking to them and saying, you know, what did you want to do? What could you do? Like, I know as I as a retired high school teacher, there were a lot of times when the students would come to me and ask me about filling out resumes to get their first job or whatever. And they think, how can I get my first job? I haven't had any work. I have no experience. I'm almost like nothing. And it's like, look at all the latent skills you had. Look at all the things that you've done that are actually the soft skills that make you very valuable. And I would imagine there's there's a lot of, um, you know, retired people that may have some difficulty seeing any kind of transition because they don't recognize the skills they've acquired. Is, are you finding that at all? I think that's, I think it's really true. Yeah, I am finding that it's people don't, don't, naturally or or automatically transfer specific skills that they've used into other things that they can do. Um, For example, if they're in the, in their office, if they're doing um, reports all the time, they're maybe they're a a program manager or something like that in, in their job. And, you know, and they do organize things and they see that part of it, but they don't see the editing. They don't see the little things that they do when, when they're, um, subordinates come in and they're doing the the reviews with them and building them up and showing them how to make corrections. They don't see that as um, a guidance kind of, or as a way to be a mentor to somebody. They don't realize that they've got all of these things that are piled up into their head that they can just sit down and say, yeah, I've done that. And, you know, teach someone else. I guess we're all intrinsically teachers. If we've done something long enough, we have the ability to um, take the, that skill set and show someone else the way or, or 
in some cases, not the way. Some people have kind of screwed up and said, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe that's not the way to do things. Maybe try this. How, how did you find going from chemical engineering and pharmacy to the work you're doing today as an entrepreneur? That sounds like quite a, a leap. Can you, can you share with us a little bit of how, well, maybe it's connected with what you just said, you know, like how did that all come about for you? The, <laughs> the chemical engineering and pharmacy were all basically ways to keep me in the job that I was doing. I enjoyed being in the military and, and as I was progressing, the military needed different things. So I started out as an engineer, then became a pharmacist because they said, hey, we need pharmacists. But then as I started to head towards retirement, I started thinking about, you know, what, what can I do afterwards? I, I don't want to be an engineer. I haven't been a chemical engineer doing that work since I left school. Um, don't really want to be a shopper's drug mart pharmacist and, you know, mm -hmm. dealing with people every day with the questions about how, you know, how much are the light bulbs is the kitty litter on sale? You know, that kind of stuff doesn't, doesn't interest me at all. Right. Right. Um, and I tend to be a little bit too sarcastic to be working for somebody else in that sort of job. <laughs> so I had to think about other, other things. And I, I wanted in my retirement, I want to be, I wanted to be able to travel a lot. You know, COVID kind of put its foot down on that. But the yeah. idea being that when I travel, maybe I'm going to need a little bit of extra income at some point. So I wanted something that I could do that's transportable, something I could do from anywhere. So that made me start to think a little bit more about online stuff. And I've never really thought about myself as an entrepreneur, but I just kind of fell into it. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying the people that I'm meeting, the things that I'm learning. And it's every day is something new. And that's a joy, isn't it? When uh, you've got the opportunity to experience something new every day. Um, when you're working with people, that's, that tends to be the way it goes. And you're an early adapter with the, the online programming and things. And uh, I think people are finding that it does allow the remoteness um, remote work, I should say, not remoteness. That sounds like being alone. Mind you, some some entrepreneurs do end up being a bit of a silo and being all by themselves. And if they're people person, you know, but you can balance that, I suppose, with people activities outside of your, your business. Do you find that many of the people who are seeking out some transitional help from you go into the entrepreneur world? I think it's it's actually about 50 50. Uh, a lot of people say they don't want to have anything to do with the computers. They don't want to, you know, they don't want a business. They just want something to do. And you know, they're not really sure what it is they want, but they don't feel like they want a business. They don't want to be running things. So we kind of balance it out a little bit. Some people just want to um, be a volunteer, like you mentioned, or they, they want to help other people start a business or but some of them, some of them are really interested and some really want to get into the online stuff and they see that as, as the way of the future and they want to be part of it. And, you know, that's kind of exciting when you get somebody who's new, who doesn't know or doesn't do any of the online stuff yet and, and they're ready to learn it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, from your experience, starting from sort of the ground up, you can walk them through some of those early stages as well. What, 
what kind of things do some of your clients gravitate to? What, you know, as, as you've helped them open up their eyes, what have some of them started doing apart from, you know, the volunteer, perhaps? What are some of the, have they started new careers? Have they gone back to school? What are they doing? Some of them go back to school. Some of them take online courses and they they learn how to how to run courses, for example. Some some people have learned how to teach courses to help other people. So they, they're using their experience, their their knowledge to create a course to teach other people. So that you know that's one way that they can be part of it and not really feel like they're doing an online business because they're teaching somebody how to do a different thing. Right. Um, other people have jumped right into affiliate marketing, which is one of the things that I do. And, you know, that's, that's an easy thing to do because it's something that you can do anywhere, anytime, and it doesn't take any real capital of your own. There's no cost involved. Generally speaking, you just approach someone and offer to market their program for them for a commission. And so that sounds exciting. That sounds, you know, kind of a more low risk entry into into that that sphere, that arena, if you will, where maybe they could, you know, dip their toes in a little bit. And if they have other people's programs and seeing how that works, maybe they would, you know, eventually develop their own. Tell us a little bit of, about that for anybody who might be thinking right now, I haven't got the foggiest idea of what I can do. And they've just heard you say that and go, oh, well, you know, I, tell me more. Like, how would they approach it? How do you even start that? Like, what were you looking for? Are there certain products or services? Can you just share a little bit about what that looks like? It can be just about anything. I got started with the idea of having a blog, like many people do online. They they figure they're going to, you know, tell their story by writing writing about it. And when you're writing, you can add in links to certain products, things that you use. Uh, for example, if I'm talking about writing in my journal every day, I can I can talk about what that journal is and give a link to the journal. And oh. if someone uses that link goes to Amazon, for example, and buys the journal, then I'd get a commission from Amazon. Now, Amazon is one of the biggest you know, yeah. sellers and one of the biggest places where people uh, have affiliate programs. So you don't get a lot from things like that, you know, you know, one or 2% maybe. But it might add up over time, right? As you are uh, talking about different things. It sounds like a, um, a possibility for some. So you can you can kind of balance some of that with volunteerism, which by its very nature is non-monetary, but highly priceless in terms of, you know, self-worth and contribution and self-esteem and all. Of, I, I don't think you can I don't think you can outgive when it comes to volunteering. I think you get way more back than what you give. And, you know, like you look at the time and say, well, I can't afford that kind of time. And yet most people get hooked once they start. Have you found like with some of your clients, it's probably not just a one shot deal. It takes some time to go through that discovery process. And I noticed that you have a checklist. So can you talk a little bit about the checklist? And uh, for my listeners, uh, I've noticed that you, you're just giving that away. So do tell us about it. Well, yes, it's it's a. A fairly basic checklist, but for people who are just starting to think about retirement, it's got a number of different 
categories of um, items listed, things that you need to think about if you're getting ready to retire, just uh, things to think about in terms of your job, in terms of your finances, in terms of your family, all the different different areas that you need to focus on in order to plan properly. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What would you say would be the number one startup question that a client would ask you when they first reach out? What seems to be their their one purpose, the one thing that drives them to pick up the phone or to email you or to reach out and say, help? (laughs) It's actually way too broad to to delve into. It's what am I going to do? And that's people, people are really concerned with the idea that they don't have any identity after they retire, that they, all their life, they've, they've said, I'm a lawyer, I'm a plumber, I'm a teacher. And once they retire, saying, I'm a retired lawyer, I'm a retired teacher, it doesn't have the same impact. And and they're just wondering, you know, how am I going to identify myself? Who who am I once I retire? Sounds like part of the empty nest syndrome, like I'm so-and-so's mother. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, we we I guess we are a society that uh, works on labels. We do. That identify us. When we meet someone, what are the first things we tend to say when we introduce someone? I did that to you. Meet Jackie. Uh, an undergrad has an undergraduate degree in the chemical engineering and pharmacy and been a Canadian uh, Armed Forces member for, you know, I mean, I did all that to you when I introduced you. So um, how do you respond to, to people seeking their identity? Is, is helping them find a new purpose? It is. Usually I say, who do you want to be? Oh, good question. I like that. You know, and, and then that starts us off. And and makes them think about, well, if I can be whoever I want, who do I want to be? <laughs> what am I going to do next? I love that question, Jackie. That's a real um, gray matter stir. I, <laughs> I wish I could remember who said it. I, I read so much that I, and my memory doesn't work as well as it used. Um, but they used to say that, um, what do you want is the hardest question for people to answer because if someone asks us that off the top of their head they say oh I want all this and yet when you start drilling down and you think of all the consequences or all the outcomes and the results of that you go no 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 maybe I don't Uh, I've never heard anybody say like who do you want to be and I think that that might come up with the same kind of you know need for some real heavy soul searching do you do you provide homework or or some kind of um help along the way to let people kind of self lead them into self-discovery i don't have any specific homework but yes i i can help you know direct them you know towards things that might help but i think what's um, your go-to for that sort of thing is um I would imagine that you are pretty intuitive with people and you get a sense of who they are through the conversations and and the assessment that you do. So do you often surprise people with ideas that they had never considered? 
sometimes, and quite often people go, oh, I can't do that. And then we, you know, we discuss why can't you do that? You know, uh-huh. what are what are your reasons? Why are you putting up that wall? And and as we kind of break it down, and we you know, then the person realizes, you know, maybe I can do that. It's just not something I've thought of before. And it makes a big difference. So we we talk about a lot of things. And um if you've done any or if anyone's done any work with figuring out why you do something, why you're doing what you you do. Uh, there are a lot of proponents of the the seven levels of why. And you you ask someone, why do you want that? When mm-hmm. they when you say what do you want and they tell you, you say, you know, why do you want that? And they have to think about why that's important. And it's what you what you were saying. As you go down through it, you don't really, maybe that's not it at all, but you say, you know, I want to earn more money. And, you know, why do you want to earn more money? Well, so my family will have a better life. And why do you want your family to have a better life? And and you go through this and it comes all the way down. Like you go down and you ask why seven times, making them think more deeply about why that thing is important. And by the time you get to that seventh one, people are kind of wondering, you know, they've really gone down inside and it's, because I need to prove myself, you know, or it's because my dad never believed in me and I want to show him I can do it. Or, you know, it it can be something really profound other than just, I want to drive a better car. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been a surprises them sometimes, but I'm also thinking that along the way it could be annoying (laughs) Um, because you're making them do the do the work people don't necessarily want to do the work and they you know as a as a former teacher um I think there have been a lot of things that have been that are important in our lives that have fallen through the gaps maybe the parents used to be a little bit more inclined to teach it but you know society has driven us into the busy hamster wheel world and the teacher curriculum doesn't really allow for it but that self-reflection that is really important to I mean our life is the most valuable thing we own and yet would you agree that it might be the most neglected thing we own most definitely and and going into the seven levels of why that that comes out quite clearly people haven't reflected they don't want to reflect they don't want to look too deeply at themselves because Somewhere inside, I think they know they're not going to be happy with what they're seeing because they're not they're not being fulfilled. There, there's something that that's missing, and they don't want to get too close to that. Yeah, I can imagine that it could, you know for some that it could be a little bit of a scary trip, but I also think it could be the most enlightening, and it would be like having a key to open a locked door that they may discover a whole new world for themselves. I did hear a long time ago that one word that's missing in our general societal norms is the word happy. You know, when you walk by somebody, hey, how are you doing? I think if somebody answered, I'm happy, it would stop us in our tracks. (laughs) But I heard that that word seems to be missing. And maybe that's the maybe that's the deep soul need that we're missing. Um, do we allow for enough reflection in our life? You journal. People talk about journaling as, as an important part of living. 
but are we journaling enough with enough depth to get there? I think a lot of people aren't. And, and I, it goes back to, we aren't as a culture doing a lot of self-reflection and we're kind of skating by on the surface and people, if you ask, are you happy? People say, yeah, I'm happy enough, but it's always the enough. Yeah. What qualifies happy enough? You know, and what would it take to be more happy? You know, happier is better than happy enough. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, All great, all great reasons why people should start early and not all things really should be done by oneself because we don't really we don't really press ourselves as much as we should we we take the easy route so having someone like yourself to prep us ahead of time to help us get into that mindset and then challenge us what do you what do you think is um most people's reactions like tell us a little bit about your programming how long it goes for and what the end result might be for some of your clients when they turn to you they're looking for something and and you've meet, you're helping them define that how does that how does that shake out like how does that all work i, I that's a pretty well wow, that's a lot that's a lousy question i'm sorry it's just like hey what are you doing <laughs> the program the program is basically designed to give you a roadmap for your future for the, you know, the next six months, year, two years, whatever you want it to, to be. Excuse me. So they go through the the questionnaire and hopefully they've taken some time and they've really thought about the questions and and given me answers that are useful. I get those answers. Um, The questionnaire is all done online. Uh And then I get those answers and we book a, a zoom call. Now, because they can, they can be anywhere. They're not necessarily around the corner from me. Mm-hmm. And through the the two hours on this Zoom call, we go through the answers to the questions to make sure that you know the answers that they gave are really what they're what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Because quite often, people say things, and when they go back, you know, no, that's not really what I meant. <laughs> so we we go through that, and then we we spend some time exploring mostly why your life isn't what you want it to be, because that's one of the big questions. What do you like about your life? What do you dislike? What's just okay? Mm-hmm. And and we talk about what your ideal day would be. And, and we work on how to go from what's just okay to what your ideal day is and mm-hmm. how to get rid of the what's not good, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we do that, then then I lay it all out as a roadmap for them and things that they can do, steps they can take, um, places they can go to get more information about certain things if they want to. And I give them this roadmap and then they have the choice. They can continue to work with me and go through the steps. They can take it to somebody else that they want to work with. They can throw it in the garbage can as they walk out. <laughs> you know, they can do whatever they want, basically. Right. But right. the roadmap is there. Right. So you're pretty open ended then as far as a coach is concerned that you're you are very uh, willing to to custom 
customize sort of what their needs will be because I would imagine everybody's different. Exactly. What is your, what seems to be your age range? When do people wake up basically and say, <laughs> you know, help? I mean, do you have a, um, a most common age range for, for your clients? They're mostly in the 55 to 65 range. People who have realized that they've come to the end of their work career. Yeah. They weren't, you know, maybe they weren't planning to come to the end of their work career, but they are. And now what am I going to do? They're, they're young enough. They're energetic enough. They want to do more things, but they don't know what to do. That's a great place to segue, Jackie, because just before we actually uh, started up, we talked about um, unintentional retirement when people get downsized and outsized and, uh, you know, the, especially during like COVID times, the, COVID the business may totally, yeah, exactly. The, 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 the business might just not survive. People yeah. may end up where they are through no planning, no time to plan and no fault of their own. It just happens. Uh, resilience obviously is going to be a key ingredient, but do you, you know, like, where do they go from there when they reach out to you? Um, does it start any differently than somebody who has intentionally retired? Are there differences there? Sure. Um, person who has intentionally retired and is seeking something new is generally open to ideas. Um, someone who had the door shut on them as they were shoved out it <laughs> are, is generally a little bit more defensive, I guess, a little bit more upset about the way things are, not necessarily as open to new things because they haven't had time to think about what else right. is out there. They, they, need to, they need to be coaxed into the, hey, there's a whole big world out there point of view. Almost a mourning period, maybe. Yep, exactly. Yeah, well, that, make, that makes total sense. Um, and that's why perhaps maybe thinking about the retirement, you said earlier, the time to start thinking about retirement is when you start work. Now, for you, you had a pretty much a, a solid, what, 35 years, even though it changed its label, yep. if you will, uh, career. Uh, some of us have had different chunks I did a lot of different, I was a high school dropout. Um, (laughs) I had seven serious courses to go to university to become a teacher, but no marketable skills per se in an academic field when I quit high school. So suddenly I'm thrust into a work world with, hey, I don't know what to do. It took me 20 years to figure out, hey, I should go back and get something and become this teacher. So I had a multiple of jobs, not careers, and then I taught for a number of years. So some people don't exactly have that span of years. Um, So they might have like a more variety of skills, perhaps, but a a rockier sense of looking at their future. Do you ever have anyone that comes to you that hasn't had that consistent career like you have? Sure. Most people haven't. It's aside from people who are my age and, you know, and even them they haven't always been in the same job. It's, it's except for military people, it's unusual sometimes to see someone with a career that, you know, that spans that many years. So someone who comes to me with a variety of different little bits and pieces is a lot of fun to work with because they've seen so many different things. And we just talk about each of the jobs. What did you do in that job? And 
you know, what did you like about it? What did you dislike about it? And from that, we can we can create a whole list of things they that they're good at, skills that they have, experiences that they've had, things that they can teach other people. It it makes it to, it's a whole lot easier than it is with someone who's done the same job for 30 years because they're they're very stuck and and kind of blindfolded into what they're doing. And they figure, well, you know, I've been I've been an accountant and all I've done is accounting. And it's hard to draw more things out of that. Right, right, right. They don't they don't have the big picture world as the others have. Definitely. But, you know, I. I love doing a podcast and you are a podcaster. You're beyond retirement podcast. Uh, I, I love talking to people like yourself because it's such a learning environment for me. So as I learn from people like you and others about their skill set, their experience, and you know, that whole, that whole notion, like, what do I want? Who do I want to be? Like that will stick with me. And then, next step for my own personal life I take that learning with me and for yourself as you're working with your clients the information you gain about the different activities they've been involved in because your world was smaller while you're working but it's grown so much bigger through the experiences that you've had talking to other people um and that, that's a gift that we can give one another and people that come into our world is to kind of share with them that the world is such a big place. And that's why Beyond Retirement exists to share with people, hey, get out there. Life is good. And for me, don't die before you're dead. Hey, don't just, uh, you know, tunnel in and, you know, figure you're done because we're not done until we're done. And. I, do you have, um, you must have some people that you've coached through and have, have really opened their world to new things, even at a, a later age. What's your oldest client doing? Oh, <laughs> um, should I say sleeping? <laughs> Is that because of the time of day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and where they are. Um, my oldest client is teaching online courses actually and that that was the uh, that was the example that I took fantastic well Jackie um what have I missed I don't think uh, I don't think you've missed anything I the big I think the big message is the same for both of us get out there and and live your life there's so much out there so many things to do I love your t-shirt by the way wine is well aged and I'm I'm thinking that that means you are too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I am not going to go into this world uh, quietly. That's for sure. It was never my plan, but uh, yeah, I'm just going to go and live fully. Like my kids are amazed that I'm still doing stuff. And it, it's not all about money either. I mean, some of it's no. just doing it for the heck of it. Exactly. I mean, that's why I do the podcast to just to meet all the people that, you know, to see all the different things that people are doing all over the world. Well, actually, you and I wouldn't have met if we hadn't done the podcasting thing. So I'm, I'm excited. I've learned a lot from you. Tell us how people can reach out and find you. Well, they can listen to the podcast for sure. But my website is uh, www.beyondretirement.ca. And that's probably the easiest way to uh, to reach me. Um, 
I have a podcast is called Beyond Retirement. The podcast is Beyond Retirement. I have a Twitter and Instagram accounts, but I'm not really there very much. So following me there isn't going to get, get you very far. So go to your website and find you. Yeah, that's probably uh, the best. You've got lots of information to share. And I would assume, and I know I'm not supposed to do that, but hey, I think we all do. Your free checklist is on your website. It is. The checklist is there. Um, if you go to the website forward slash checklist, I think you'll find it there. Excellent. But there's also a button on the on the website where you can just click it and find it. Excellent. Well, Jackie, you have been a wealth of information. You've been a great example to reach out and be doing things and to give back, as you say, on how gratifying is that? Um, I'm sure as you watch your clients redesign their life and, and come back alive and be happier, it's got to it's gotta touch you greatly. And um, it's nice to have that purpose. So because you know what that feels like, you want to see your clients fulfill their purpose. So uh, excellent. Thank you so much for being here. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to staying in touch with you as we kind of journey down this road together. And uh, maybe sometime when COVID uh, disappears and we're allowed out, you and I might be able to sit down and have a cup of coffee and really talk about some good stuff that we're, we're planning to do for fun. So thank you again so much. Thank you, Mary. I've really enjoyed it. I had a great time. Fabulous. I, I'm sure our listeners will chuckle as we as they hear this. So again, I'm Mary McCartney. This is Don't Die Before You're Dead. And I dare you to live the life that you are meant to live until you can't. So see you next time. Bye now. Oh. <laughs>